Well, that book explains everything, doesn't it? <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, it's. Um, I was just thinking about it now. Like, uh, it the 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 problem is so ubiquitous and so wide ranging that you, with your audience, and me and my audience, and they're totally different audiences. I mean, the way you cultivated them, who you were targeting to, what they use the material for, and mine, totally different. But the problems outlined in this book massively impact both audiences. And that just shows yeah. you there's a superstructure at play here. It's really, really is a problem. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I couldn't help to think that the situation is a lot more serious than we even first expected it to be. And yeah. this is kind of my what kind of set off my overall existential thing in the first place was kind of coming to terms with possibly you know, maybe something that is happening in the culture is way more serious than we expected it to be. And yeah. this, this whole Gen Z mentality and approach to social, the social uh, dynamic in general was not just something that was just purely annoying. It, it was, it's more than just annoying. It, this is a bad problem, man. No, this is this is a sort of ideological rot. And yeah. it's 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 empire collapsing stuff. I mean, I'm yeah, still yeah, right, I'm right. still on gulags and genocide. Now I'm halfway through the book. I'm more leaning towards just straight collapse. I mean, it, there probably it, will be gulags and genocide as a final. I I don't think anyone has the balls or competence for gulags and genocide. Well, Gen Z mocking Gen Z in the meme space, which is where I get all of my information about the world, um, yeah. is is there's this running joke. So you have Gen Zers who are not into communist revolution, whatever yeah. that has been reinterpreted as. And they'll be like, you fuckers are too anxious to order a pizza over the yes. phone. How You've seen this. How the fuck do you think you're going to do a full military-style revolution? I mean, it's just right. the most preposterous, narcissistic, right. wank fantasy. Um, yeah. And well, I just wanted to ask you, I meant to send you a voice message the other day, and I was like, no, I'll save it for the stream. We both said that we were really hopeful about Gen Z. How, how you? How, we said that about six months ago or later. How are you feeling yeah. now? <laughs> how about I, now? How about now? No, for real, dude. The reason why I've been having such a really hard time this last month or so is obviously, of course, inner problems. But a lot of this was set off from my reevaluation of my career that is heavily reliant on the yeah. current generation and younger and restructuring my thoughts on Gen Z specifically too. Yeah. You know, I think, yeah. I still think Gen Z has good intentions. I think yeah. that the heart is still in the right place, but yeah. heavily just clouded by what you say is rot. Yeah. Yeah. The ideological infection, what Gad Saad describes as mental parasites. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think like it's worth just putting a note there that, you know, obviously we like to fuck around as tentacle croissant, but Pierre's genuinely been struggling. I mean, it's been an actual, yeah. this is pretty, I mean, you, we could call this a, a depression, right? Oh, severe. Like this is like, <laughs> I'm just laughing about it right now, but this is like the most severe that I've had in a very long time. And it, it's coming out, of, well, it comes with the age, 28, Saturn return, all that good shit too. But mm -hmm. I, I'm, I always make sure in my moments of, introspection to make sure to see what, what is coming out of my own self yeah. and what is external that I can objectively analyze between the two. As yes. I use the book's terminology, I'm trying to see what's a schema that I'm just trying to put into a prefabricated, uh, what do you say, 
prophecy fulfilling idea of how sad I am. And then also prophecy. Yeah, there you go. Or seeing objectively what's happening outside of me. Right. And seeing how serious it really is. And I'm pretty sure I kind of know where the line is at this point. Yeah, no, there's uh, I mean, there's there's reasons to be extremely concerned. uh, there's this book, uh, ladies and gents, it's called The Coddling of the American Mind. Last week we launched uh, Rich and Pierre's uh, book club, which <laughs> we never thought we'd reach that point. Oh, no, no. <laughs> That's why I, actually I wore this specifically for yeah, this. The velvet jacket. You remember in 2019 yeah. where we'd just be like making silly memes and shouting, yeet, yeet, suck my feet? You know, no. that's nope. That's not irresponsible at this point. No. Like you have an option, you have the opportunity to actually say something. It's so bad that you have to try and, and, and say something. So anyway, we recommend this book by uh, Greg Lukianoff and Jonathan Haidt. Uh, Jonathan Haidt is a, is a psychologist. It's a really, really, it's a well-written book. It's easy to, it's not like highlight, it's not like advocating reading Nietzsche or Slavoj Zizek. It's easy enough to take on. It's extremely profound. Yes. And it's um, accurate analyses of, of the problems that I, we're facing at the moment. I really wish what you would say as academic reading literature would all, all read like this. This is like quintessentially the, in my eyes, to be able to explain it in simple, complex subjects in plain English is such an important thing. And if I could find more books written in this manner, I would probably be more willing to, to look at it. I don't want to create. I don't want to create more trouble, but it's actually um, frequently it's a criticism from the right of the left is that on the left it's very obfuscatory, obscurantist they call it. So it's like very flowery language, very very verbose. It's really hard to consume. And then you have writers like Douglas Murray who would say from the right, who would say you should just express your ideas clearly. Yeah. It's, it's, right. it's it's not a sign of a highly intelligent mind to make things more complicated than they already yeah. are. It's a sign of an intelligent mind to make a complicated phenomena simpler, not not yeah. harder. And this book does that. Yeah, I actually I just saw a clip of Peterson saying like, I can read pretty complex books because I'm Jordan Peterson. But like, if if the, <laughs> if the idea and if you were Jordan Peterson, you couldn't too. <laughs> yeah, that was that was actually the whole point. <laughs> no. <laughs> But he basically said, like, if the idea is too fucking, like, com- not complex, but just uh, buried, then, dude, I can't believe I'm I'm ha- co-hosting a book club, and I, this is my first book I've fucking listened to in fucking years. <laughs> this ain't your thing. You, I will say, yeah. listening... Oh, I, sh- I wish I had my Audible link like loaded up. I, this would be a great time to like plug right now. And by using Audible promo code, da, 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 I realized that playing a really low um, low effort video game while listening yeah. to it was the best way for me to to actually absorb the information. And I was able well, to finish. It I, like I remember we 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 crossed like a, a certain line when I to confess to you that I'd actually absorbed Slavoj Zizek through playing Grand Theft yeah. Auto and Call of Duty. I didn't. Yeah. I don't read him. I've, I've, I've read one book of his uh, called yeah. uh, "Against the Double Black Against the Double Blackmail," uh-huh. and um, I'm pretty sure, unless it was one of my paranoid delusions, like Kindle was giving me feedback, like you are demonstrating the reading reading age of a ten year old. Fuck you, Kindle, because I had to reread every oh, paragraph yeah. that 
talks back against the point that was made to, and I'm just like, right. Jesus. But yeah, right. no, you can, you can absolutely, anybody can absorb this book. It's available on, on Audible. If we, if we well, recommend an Audible link, do we get like discounts or what do we get? We, we get like a commission for anybody who signs up. We should have got that ready before we started this. Okay. But, we'll, we'll, we'll do, we'll do, we'll do that next time. Um, we're going to well, dis go on. Sorry, mate. No, no, I mean, yeah. I was just going to say like, we're in the first sort of, uh, half an hour of, of talking today, we are going to discuss, there's like three pillars at, at, at the core of this book. It feeds into my field, the way people consume material on narcissistic abuse. If, if I can't believe I'm saying these words out loud, it, it goes into Pierre's field, which is entertaining people by being funny and doing rap music <laughs> and it's actually penetrated that space in a way that makes it hard for pierre to entertain people by being funny and making music which is insane well, but that's yeah. how bad it is like right be before we jump straight into the book like to yeah. preface this a lot of my struggles recently is coming to terms with how much this ideological movement of wokeism whatever you want to call it really yeah has penetrated every facet of a lot of our lives yeah and a lot of this stuff is i mean i'm sure everybody watching tentacle croissant already knows how much it's penetrated and something shouldn't keep penetrating because it yeah with all the tentacles they're just getting in everywhere now yeah exactly and um <laughs> just like the mere fact of being unable to make silly content that isn't political or social at all and then mm -hmm. get slammed with feedback that is social and political and um, protective and, and trying to bubble themselves into what the book calls safetyism further is really absurd. I mean, before a few days ago, I saw a friend that I haven't seen in a year and she knows a dancer um, and he's a dude that does like kind of voguing and drag and stuff like that. Really flamboyant dude. Mm -hmm. And he uh, does he, he does a dance to Beyonce, mm -hmm. right? probably some single lady stuff, like super flamboyant stuff, right? And he's pretty big on social media. And at a certain turning point, he started getting comments of cultural appropriation, claiming that because he was dancing to a black woman's song, he's culturally appropriating them and he's racist. And like, apparently this kept going to like his other fucking videos that he just became severely fucking depressed and just quit posting and making these videos. Yes. Yes, because there's no, it is, it's extremely disheartening. I mean, if we're looking at the Yuri Bezmenov model of taking right. over a nation, it's so fucking demoralizing. Like yeah. you can't say anything because everything is racist and yeah. everything means that you, every opinion you have on the flowchart, on the diagram leads back to you are a steaming piece of shit everything yes. you want to say or do it goes but oh is that your is that your point of view you're a steaming piece of shit is that how you were born you're a heterosexual male obviously you're just like, but but I, I want to be your ally and that's another point that this book makes so frequently and so eloquently this ideology destroys its own allies it people like me this was my thing 20 years ago i'm open to this this is my these are my teammates yeah. these are the i'm on this team and I'm like, what what's happened to my to my team? Everybody's got this bitten by a zombie or something. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it, it really is functioning like a, a zombie virus now. And mm -hmm. I would even say I was on this 
side uh, way more recently than you, you know, like even as far as a year ago before I realized the repercussions of how far, like it's one thing to kind of feel where they're coming from. And it's another to see what they're actually wanting to do and how much of it is rooted in a deep traumatic emotional space yeah you know and this is yeah. what the the book basically implies so i guess yeah. this is this could be the first point that we can bring up and it's uh it's basically about the the general collective trauma anxiety and depression that the younger generations have grown up with yes there's 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 research that the book cites that says that this generation is the is the in in research history obviously it doesn't go back to the 16th century so it's limited um, and research methods improve over time. Okay, fine. But this is the most depressed and anxious generation. These are yeah. these are, these kids are really, really fucking struggling to live, to be. Yeah. Just just being on their own in a room is hard. They're really anxious. They're really depressed. Yes, yes. And a lot of the um, the ideological intentions and actions that are happening now stems from at the root cause of this. Um, I mean, where do you want to take it from here? So that, well, that, that, that point, um, I actually, um, sorry, I've just forgot his name. I know it's height. Uh, it's Jonathan height. He makes it several times. His background is psychology he has a very good understanding of cognitive behavioral therapy, which is, you know, it's largely accepted as being the most robust, uh, system for dealing with psychological problems in the field of psychology. CBT, all roads lead back to Rome. It's all kind of anything that works is kind of CBT based. And he makes a point that I heard Helen Pluckrose make, the English lady. Um, this is the, the lady who with um, James Lindsay produced nonsense papers that were lauded in uh, the left wing radical press for being amazing, that they completely made up, that was analyzing rape culture amongst dogs in New York. And they published this and it was published by a left-wing radical paper. It's really funny. You've got, I'll, I'll have to show you the links. Okay. For this. So I heard first heard Helen Pluckrose, who also has a, a strong background in psychology. She was like, if you look at the coordinates of what CBT and, and psychology in general tries to help you to do to bring you out of trauma, this ideology, what do we want to call it? We'll call it wokeism, I guess. The like the unwoke, the sleeping woke or whatever. Yeah. It's it's it it has the opposite coordinates of CBT. It has the opposite coordinates of um take responsibility, okay. look so, after your emotions. As the as the plain English translator here, I hope I can do a good job on this. So <laughs> so basically CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy, which means that it will you're training your own brain to break out of thought patterns that are negative. Mm -hmm. So if you're depressed, you'll go through a consistent thought feedback loop to try to prove how depressed you are by seeing and finding things to put it in the spot there or whatever. Mm -hmm. And CBT basically allows you to observe your thought patterns and hopefully do certain things to break that thought pattern. Am I right? Yes, essentially that. The ethos is based in Stoicism, which is a sort of ancient wisdom. Um, and a key part of it is to say, okay, don't get lost in emotional thinking. I'm not a CBT guy, so people who know me will know I'm more at like that end of the spectrum that's more psychoanalysis and CPTSD, but I like I can't say anything against CBT. 
So I would say if you allow your emotional dysregulation to warp your perceptions, you're stuck. CBT says something adjacent to that, which is don't get don't get lost in emotion based thinking. Yes. Just so don't get lost to your original point. Um, you were saying that wokeism is a thought process that is the opposite of CBT, which means that instead of breaking your thought patterns, it's consistently feeding into what you would even call as a almost like a psychotic, repetitive trauma seeking thought process that isn't stopped and if, if anything it's encouraged to continuously uh, uh feed the feedback loop not almost exactly that yeah i mean i couldn't you. say i couldn't say it better than that it's psychotic because people might jump on the fact that you said psychotic so let me just steal man that it's psychotic to the extent that it is it actively denies reality and promotes delusion based on emotionally dysregulated perceptions. There's no drawback to reality. This wokest ideology never says, hey, maybe we should question your thinking here. Let's do some you know, CBT, DBT, multiple schools of therapy. Like, well, you seem to believe the fridge is talking to you. Hmm. Yeah. Are we any, evid any evidence that that might not be the case? This wokest never says that. You think the fridge is talking to you? We have literature, doctrines, methodologies that prove without a shadow of a doubt that that is the case. <laughs> let's let's play the world game. As a psychotic person, if right. you've been to my second channel, you would know, uh, no, for real, <laughs> I went through a psychotic episode when I was 19 and 20, he uh, it heavily influenced by psychedelics. Like yeah. I was doing this shit every week for like six months straight. And to, to kind of prove this, feedback loop inducing psych validation cycle here in in that headspace i was looking up stuff on aliens the occult symbolism whatever else and with no foundation yeah. i was literally going psychotic because i would see the color yellow and mm. i would see an object there and i would like go through this crazy thing of like Oh, the color yellow represents this, then this, and this, and this is somehow arrived to my desk on the, the material of granite. Granite is actually a symbol of this. And if you think back to 1400 AD, the the Lord of the Hudaha used yellow on granite as a thing. So therefore, this is a sign that I'm the chosen one or like some crazy shit. And this is a delusional thought pattern. But not only that, if I look it up on the internet, I will find something to validate that feedback loop. Yes. Yes. And this so is what is psychotic is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's psychotic. And um, to use their language, it intersects with their social media usage and the rise of technology. Because as yes. you just said, if uh, I remember years ago, it was like two, 2008. And before the whole race thing was 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 huge. I was involved in uh, a long term uh, relationship with somebody who's not from the same ethnic background as me. And it, it messed me up. And this is 2008. And I was talking to somebody who was from the same ethnic background, said, but American. And he came up with sites, forums, articles to be like, well, it's known that all Chinese Malaysian women when dating white men and and then he cited like forum 2008, mate. Yeah. much smaller content uh, a mass on the internet he found it because he was in this space yeah um more than i was and you can find what you're looking for it becomes like 
scrying, which is a magical process where you look into the water and you see you can or the mirror and you see the future, you see visions. When there's nothing there and you look at it for meaning, everything is there, yeah. which is is precisely how paranoid delusion works. Yeah. There's nothing there, but you feel that there is. So yeah. you make something there and then you live the delusion. Yeah. No, totally. And this is this is coming from a creative a neurotic motherfucker like me and i still struggle with this every yeah. day i yeah. always have paranoid delusions but i have i have had to learn over the years to ground myself by looking at the opposite evidence constantly yeah yes. like what what on the opposite side of my thought pattern is true enough to counteract how i feel you know right. And yes. uh, yeah, which is which is which is critical thinking, which is something that DBT or CBT or a good therapist would always encourage you to do. It would, you know, this is what you think. This is your perception. Can we challenge it? Just to round out that point I was making on the Internet, you can find anything there. Yeah. If you want to prove because a, a few years later in 2013, I worked with uh, five Australian women who'd all been with British men who were all narcissists. And they chose me because they thought. That if they went, if they did like coaching through me, it would help them get over it. And there were forums for the same thing. All mm. British men are narcissists. And I was like, well, let's consider the context. They Brits who are young go to Australia for a temporary period of time. If they can, they're young men in their 20s. If they could sleep with a good looking Australian girl and pour a bit of honey in, in her ear and then leave. Maybe it's, you know, I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying you found the phenomena it's absolutely happening it's absolutely true but then you've jumped a level and found other people with a similar experience and on don't we all agree that this is what it is yes we do done because your brain only needs to hear it from three sources and it's the truth that's the psychology research and and there's a point in the book where he if you can if you remember please clarify this but he was basically mentioning that he talked to somebody that did research on uh Islamist extremists and uh, anti-right-wing, like super far extreme right-wing anti-Islamist people. Okay. And it was and it was kind of implying that they. It's a part. Oh, it was part of the chapter that was on dualistic thinking. Uh, the the black and white us versus them thinking. Yes. And it yes. takes a small portion to paint the entire uh, group to act in the same way. It's exactly yes. what you just described. Yes. Yeah. It's um. There's there's been psychology tests uh, or research rather published papers on this. Like if you hear it, it depends on where you hear it from, and I think the authority of the person who's speaking. But I don't. I, I think actually sometimes if you have an inclination that something might be true, I don't think you need to hear it from three external sources. I think they found two was enough. That's how dumb we are as humans. Like I think all. Let's switch it on its head. I think all New Zealand women are. BPD, whatever random statement I want to make, I think that. And then two guys or, or two women or two goats confirm it for me. Done. It's fact. Humans are prone to logical fallacy and cognitive bias. We must be humble. This thing is not, it's not all knowing. It's very limited yeah, in what so, I can take so, on. Okay, so let's take that scenario there and multiply it by infinity. It's it's not just two goats telling you the same thing. Mm. It's 
3,000 strangers on the internet liking your post and commenting fire emojis when you said that yeah. um, all people who eat lemons are fucking idiots or something like that. They are, though. I mean, that's that's insane. If you literally eat I agree. <laughs> um, but for real, though, like, uh, so instead of just hearing two people validate your opinion, you have thousands and literature and social media blog posts and all this shit confirming whatever crazy thought it, it might be. Did you did you ever see the video? I don't know if I sent it to you where I, I did an homage to Pierre XO where I, I was it. tapping myself in the head cranial bottle therapy and cbt that's yeah. actually it's actually quite pleasant it actually does work but the bottle should be plastic and it should be empty not full and glass it's a different effect don't honestly do honestly richard with how things are going i would prefer a glass uh, <laughs> bottle. he's on to the hard stuff now that, 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 that is plastic. that's for kids man yeah so hard stuff Okay, so it, it goes into a traumatized generation and it points out that you, you made a whole documentary on this, on ho how social media's correlation with the anxiety and de depression rates skyrocketing when social media started booming with Gen Z or iGen, internet generation first came around. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, I know that people are numb to hearing this. So, so if I add a little bit of nuance and multidimensionality to it, it'll help. Here we are on YouTube and this is social media and we're doing something good with it. Um, if you like, we listen to the book on Audible and then we go and review on Amazon because you get seen and you get likes for that. It's kind of social. It is sort of, sort of social media. There's lots of ways of using social media. The technology is fantastic, but it's a powerful tool and all powerful tools can be used for good or ill. The particular elements of social media that we need to be concerned with for young people, um, the number one that's been researched the most, and everybody gets this, young women using Instagram. Instagram predominantly focuses on imagery. The imagery on Instagram, we've already made this point, it leans towards elitism. Like it's the most photoshopped, most glamorous. On TikTok, you've got people with like their dressing gown on and a bit of snot here and they're just doing it. It's Instagram is a different thing. Young women getting a sense of who they are in the world. Girls really as young as 10, 11, when they see that stuff and they see beautiful women, they are, they, at first they feel good. They get an uptick in serotonin they feel good and they drop a like, but we know in the 30 to 40 seconds after they did that, they feel like shit. The same effect occurs to men. There's a kind of, Social media usage amongst the young, if it's unbridled, of course breeds a sense of my life is shit and I'm not good enough. I want to be famous and I'm not. Yeah. There must be something wrong with me. So it's a weird generation because it's it's got more comfort and less threat than any other generation. More of its needs are catered to. I mean, it's, it's a fascinating time to be alive because it proves what the ancient Greek philosophers were saying is absolutely right. If you're just satiated in all of your lusts and all of your needs, be they sexual, physical, or egoic, the, the end result is not happiness. The end result is fucking misery. It's a miserable state to be in, being pleasured all the time. Why? There's a lot of reasons for it, but I think for one, we're just not, we're just not evolved for it. it it's just numbness. It, it, it loses sensation. So if you take a really easy analogy, you know, rub the same spot for <laughs> 20 hours nonstop. 
it stops being enjoyable. Some people like that non-enjoyable part. But <laughs> for most people, it starts hurting and then you don't want to fucking do it anymore. You know? Yeah. Like, no matter how good it might feel at the beginning, you know, you eat fucking 10, eat, eat 10 cheeseburgers in the span of three hours, you know, like, yeah. just, it, it's the same thing. And you have a whole generation that's so eat, like, fucking heavily placated with everything at the palm of their fingertips, too. Um, so, so yeah, like, uh, one, one interesting point of what you just said there, too, was how young boys and how young girls showcase aggression, usually. And with young boys, it's usually physical and, 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 you know, you have some like physical violence, basically. Right. And with women, it's more like uh, character assassination through reputation and, and like like inst social media bullying type stuff. Yeah. And he, he brought up this metaphor that kind of clarified how serious it is. And it was like, OK, young boys, they usually wrestle each other, beat each other up, shove each other around on the playground. To, to bully people and sometimes they they play war now imagine you gave all these kids these boys a handgun you know it's they're gonna fuck shit up like they're gonna mm -hmm. use that thing and just shoot everybody mm -hmm. now what's the equivalent on the female end of the spectrum for character assassination and, and bullying in that mm -hmm. in that sense well it's kind of a smartphone right yeah and it 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 the book further kind of elaborates and, and backs that information up with the details on self-harm and especially young self-harm with young women and how depressed they are on social media. And just, I mean, I see it on my own platform of young women, how fucking messed up they are because of apparently how everything's been going, you know? There's a, there's some mad stat that I, I gave a talk on this uh, two, two years ago on social media effects. Self-harm skyrocketed between 10 and 15 year old girls, I think suicide had doubled. And what was it? It was something like between 10 and 14 years old for girls, the number of 10 to 14 year old girls who showed up at the emergency department, this is research done in the UK. They showed up in e our equivalent of, of ER um, with uh, um, being in a, a, an urgent state due to eating disorders and the number over 10 years it's something like quintupled i mean the idea that like 13 year olds are showing up in the emergency room because they're so starved or they vomited so many times is that any of them is doing yeah, it is shocking it, it was mentioned in the social dilemma it was but, like some like triple quadruple digit percentage increase it was like yeah crazy, some crazy like 500 percent or like a thousand something percent like of, of children like small children yeah, and it exactly correlated when the social media usage started becoming more prevalent too yes so yes. um yeah that's that's quite frightening man so so it feeds into what we're saying is the ideology and the capacity to further delusional ideas the ideology encourages delusion and it absolutely discourages facts uh, critical thinking reasoning uh, polite conversation to gather data from the opposing side of the argument yeah. and uh, it, so the ideology is pro-delusion it's anti-fact and it's facilitated by social media which if you choose to use it in that way well we all know what the expression echo chamber means now if you don't break an echo chamber everything becomes one naturally the algorithms cocoon you in inside of a space of giving you exactly back what you want because yeah. 
that's their job. They're supposed to yeah. cocoon you. Of course, they're going to so, keep you inside a political echo chamber. That, that's a perfect segue into the one of the main core concepts of that entire book, which is mm -hmm. safetyism. He calls it. Yes, I like I like safeism. I think it rolls off the tongue better, but we'll go with safetyism, I guess. Um, but basically, uh, long story short, there something changed within the culture within what was the time period? The nineties or something? Like he said, from the, the from the late nineties uh, to where we are now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, something occurred in the culture where everything in where it involved the parenting approach yeah. to basically shelter the children from child abductions to assault on the street or anything. And it was a huge movement to prevent kids from doing anything that would involve some sort of risk mm -hmm. or involve themselves to expose the to them to the real world really mm -hmm. and the threats mm -hmm. that might come with it and that's mm -hmm. kind of the and this current generation is the result of a generation of parents who just basically coddled the american mind yeah pretty much from the late 90s on he said uh, there was like a hyper vigilant parenting style that broke out that assumed that children were fragile and that the primary role of a parent was to protect you had this term helicopter parenting so Parents would float and hover over their kids yeah. just to make sure nothing goes wrong. Um, no condemnation there or judgment there. I'm a bit like that. Like with my sister's kids, I'm too over. I'm too protective. I'm, you know, I'm too. I'm too far that way. But what I liked in the tone of the book, uh, this was actually the most refreshing thing. The tone of the book itself came from a compassionate lens. Mm. It came from an understanding, non-shaming, non-judgmental lens, mm -hmm. and. Uh, what I got from this is like, and even I see it in my own understanding is like, we all, it's okay that we all kind of naturally instinctually went that route. We mm. saw stories for the first time of kids randomly getting abducted on the street because a stranger fed them candy or something. And then seeing, mm. and they mentioned in the book too, the milk cartons of missing children. Like mm. how fucking traumatizing is that? Yeah. Why are you putting next to your breakfast children that are gone yeah. you know yeah. so i mean with all that involved and and you know how sensational the media is with all of these things happening it's it's almost impossible to not want to shelter your children 100 so mainstream media has um a big role to play in this and and has to has to shoulder quite frankly an awful lot of the guilt um for this because they've really warped um Obviously, they have a job to do. It's a bit like social media. If you play a game based on certain coordinates, capitalism, you play a game based on the coordinates of profit. Everything leans towards profit. Social media, the game is played towards attention. So you start doing crazier, more attention-seeking things yeah. to keep eyeballs on the screen. With mainstream media, it's kind of like fear, rage, indignation. That's what keeps people watching. And so if you terrify them, they're glued to the TV going, oh, my God, when's the next mass pedophile child kidnapping spree going to begin and and of course you get you get terrified by that and it's it's just subtly shifts the coordinates in a culture to the sense of like okay it's never been safer like historically um statistically we're, we've never been safer but we are probably more frightened than we've ever been before it's one yeah. of the things that alistair crowley said in the pre preface to the book of the law um, back in 1904, we are safe, but terrified. And he said this before the outbreak of World War One. We're safe, but terrified. We're concerned, but dissociated. 
at the same time. So he was like, we're very concerned about war, but war takes place away from us and yeah. is mechanized now. And it just kills everybody. It just kills civilians and soldiers alike. So there's, this, there's been a shift that's been coming for, for a long time. And it's ended up with um, people being overprotective, which leads to the first pillar of the book, which they call the untruth of fragility. What doesn't kill you makes you weaker. And if you, if you imbibe this coordinate, this principle, it starts to make you sick. You imbibe the untruth that you're fragile and that, that tough experiences, hard experience are destroying you because you're made of sugar and the rain will melt you away. This makes people really sick obviously it makes him paranoid yeah 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 uh he said something like children are and teenagers are naturally anti-fragile because yeah. you i mean throw a kid around in a martial arts dojo he can take that shit without even crying maybe the first time but after that you know he builds up tolerance i started skateboarding when i was a little kid too yeah. ate so much crap on it but um it didn't hurt as much as if i were to hurt like do it now you know and, and you're, uh, you're, you're risk-seeking as a kid, aren't you? Everything that you yeah. want to do is like, we, we and kids growing up in Portugal, our favorite place to play would be like a disused building site. Yeah. Or if yeah. there were like wild dogs, we would go and run and see if we could ch they'd chase us and we'd run up a tree. We'd jump off of fucking walls yeah. to see how far we could fall. We were fucking lunatics. You know, you know, you know what's funny? It's like, uh, I feel like an old fucking grandpa sometimes on my streams because yeah. like I'll tell stories of shit that I did when I was uh, fucking 13 or whatever, which is yeah. like not that long ago. But yeah. I can see the, the heavy dissonance between gen z and the older people in the chat including yeah. me where it's yeah. like they literally can't even cognitively process yeah. like going out at 11 years old climbing to the roof of an abandoned building at yeah. 12 in the morning you know yeah. like <laughs> what's wrong with you you know and and so yeah it's like, cool when you're a kid though i don't even know why we like that shit but it's fascinating to be in a disused building for some reason that's part of the age it's part yeah. of the, the the cognitive abilities of being an adolescent or a kid is like yeah. first of all you're kind of dumb enough to do it yeah. second of all you learn the most from these yeah. situations too yes. and, and like yeah. it's been like that for how fucking long for as long as humans have been humans yeah. And as of just now, within the 2000s, the millennium, we're taking away something that is so inherent to to teaching young human beings how to navigate risk and threat. And, and, and yeah, exactly that. And to just have a general attitude where you feel robust because you already got punched. Like uh, when I was a kid, I stepped on a rusty nail on one of these building sites. I jumped through a plate glass window and fuck my knee up and uh it was obviously it's traumatic and you're 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 freaked out by it and you cry and everything but then by the evening you're just sat there watching tv and your dinner and it's all done and you kind of get the sense of like yeah you know eh, i can hack it there isn't this sense of terror like i feel when i'm reading some of the the um as the as the writings spill off from the main doctrine i'm like what where's this coming from who are you trying to protect? Because this generation gets old enough to sort of seek to protect its own members. They start playing mummy and daddy to each other. And it's all so smotheringly protected. Yes. 
Do you have those those points of what happens to a generation under safetyism? It, one of them was like appealing to a third party to deal with your own problems and, and stuff like that. If you don't have it, it's okay. I but, could pro I could probably find it. Um, um, well, in the meantime, what I'll just like explain the safetyism thing. So within the after late 90s, this whole scare of stranger danger, uh, whatever else, like basically implored an ent entire new generation of parents to overly protect their kids, which was reasonable, especially with all the information that was new at the time. And then now that this younger generation has grown up, you know, we you hear those like obnoxious people on Fox News like, oh, everyone's too sensitive or whatever. But it kind of fosters that a generation that is not used to being in any situation that involves risk, threat, danger, which allows them to, let's just say, to, to carry on an attitude of continuously pushing this idea for safety, whether it be at their universities, my fucking YouTube comments, <laughs> YouTube in general, social media in general. But you're not bitter. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, not bitter, not at all. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's basically changed an attitude of teenagers and and young people to if consistently foster uh the idea that everything needs to be safe and safer and any idea that makes them uncomfortable is a threat and it's a danger yes there is um there's there's tons of stuff like if people put into google uh safetyism culture there's loads of articles about this there's even people saying it, it just doesn't exist um but yeah obviously if you are raised in that environment uh appeals to authority are going to be natural because you've been over coddled you've been overprotected, and so you think you then will come to believe over time if i have a problem somebody should fix it for me yeah you when i was at university you could really see that there you could see uh, this is like 1996 when i when i joined university you would see not everybody but there was a good number of people who felt if they had something that it was the university's job to do something about it and they would complain like they were staying in a five-star hotel and they were complaining to sort of the hotelier like you must fix this for me it's not good enough instead of going well i'm at university it's hard it's a fucking degree in the subject it's not a it's not like a ticklish five-hour introduction mm -hmm. it's three years of study maybe i should just fix this myself <laughs> so you could already see it back in there in 96 and i do wonder how much university campus life actually sort of fosters this as as well because obviously the number of students okay. in the world has exploded so so yeah think about this you you're your first people that you see in your life are your parents right and then they're overly coddling you and it continues until like you're fucking 11 12 13 whatever else still coddling you and you haven't had those experiences of skateboarding jumping down eight stairs you haven't climbed an abandoned rooftop you know you, you there's so many i mean obviously anti-bullying is something i stand for but to a point where it's like you can't even explore how to deal with verbal confrontations on the playground you know sometimes it does have to get physical and you have to figure it out you know everything is so heavily coddled at that point from your parents you move into school everybody at school there was even a passage in the book that was like 
any kid who touches fallen snow will get a detention and punished because anybody who touches fallen snow means that it implies that they could possibly start a snowball fight. And once one kid throws a snowball, everybody throws a snowball and it's a danger for everybody. Wow. Yes. So, dude, like, I don't know if you were able to finish the book, but like there were there were some realistic, not realistic, they were real scenarios that are being uh, policed, policized, uh, like put into policy that I like, oh, fuck, this is this is actually a really serious thing. You can't even, you know, have a snowball fight because it involves a type of danger. So, you know, you grow, you're a kid and you grow up through this thing and then you go to university, Mm. you hear a discussion about genocide or whatever else with whatever. Mm. (sighs) Principal, I feel endangered when I hear this word because it doesn't make me feel safe. And then they end up throwing a fucking coup, locking the principals in the principal's office, telling them to repeat what they say. You know the evergreen thing? Did you get to that part? I'm, I'm actually, I'm halfway through the book. And the last thing I was listening to, uh, I had some cleaning up to do, was the evergreen scenario, which I'd heard from, heard from Brett Weinstein. And I knew it was bad, but I didn't know it was this bad. And I didn't okay, know how much complicity there was. I'm kind of bummed that this Brett Weinstein guy doesn't dramatize the what happened because it is bad. Like the kids at the school literally made the teachers and some professors or the principal's office, they locked the staff in a fucking room. They threw a coup demanding that all of the white fucking staff resign because it's white supremacy. And the staff agreed when they were questioned. They said, "There's there's too many white people in positions of power here, aren't there?" And the staff said, "Yes, yes." Oh no, they specifically said, "Isn't this and isn't the fact that there's so many white members of staff and administration an example of white supremacy?" And the staff said, "Yes, yes, it is." <laughs> what the fuck? Are you crazy? <laughs> we're fucking doomed. We're fucking doomed, dude. <laughs> Dude, I told That's you not white is... supremacy. Fucking, you will bring about white supremacy in time if you keep up with this fucking nonsense. Because Dude. every time a nation radicalizes and swings one way, it swings the other way. People keep citing things as being racism and violence that are not racism and violence. I'm sat here going, if you keep doing this, you will see real racism. You will see real violence, and it will really suck for everyone. I couldn't believe the details of this story. I didn't think it was that. I just heard, I hear Evergreen. Listen, until this point, I just thought this whole shit was just annoying. You know, (laughs) that's it. I just thought it was annoying. And obviously there are things that are violent here and there. And and it's bad. I mean, it's fucking terrible. Mm. But when I hear a situation like this play out in detail, I'm like, I mean, fucking... I mean, I don't want to say it exactly, but let's say 1942 with smartphones, you know, <laughs> like un- unbelievable, man. I, I couldn't it, believe what I was hearing. It's 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 really shocked now that he does preface this by saying it's an unusually liberal university evergreen. Like the, the, he said something like students not being given grades for certain courses. They were given narrative. 
reports huh? like like narrative reports yes narrative so instead of a, a concrete grade that evaluates your competence in a hierarchy yeah they give opinion reports <laughs> Fucking hell. we should also say what started this um violent takeover of the entire university was they had a yearly tradition let me see people of color on one day at evergreen wouldn't come to the university because they were saying <clears throat> we're taking a day out so that you notice we're not here so that you value us when we come back and i'm like if it was my university i'd be like you're there to study stop it but i don't think that's egregious i don't think that's totally i think it's daft but it's not egregious i i would if you really wanted to do it i go fine fuck it but they changed it one year they flipped it on its head and they said on this day that was traditionally people of color can choose not to come in so you so you recognize we're not here and you you observe our contribution they said no white people should be on campus this day and brett weinstein said i think that's a bad idea because there's a world of difference between saying you can choose not to be you study at home and you make a gesture that's your choice and no whites today and obviously brett weinstein is jewish he's he's white but he's jewish and his ancestry correlates directly back to the famous part in history that many of us are thinking of that we don't want to see again and he protested against it uh, I'm thinking I'm if I'm remembering the story incorrectly, you, you stop me. I think the day passed with no problem. And it was a month after the day, the special day of no whites on campus was passed. Uh, no whites on campus went ahead. They said the, the school president said, no, we're doing this. It's a day with no whites. You're not supposed to go on campus if you're white. And if you do, you'll get like side eyed and considered possibly as a white supremacist or whatever. A month later, the students came and attacked uh, Brett, Brett Weinstein, Steen, sorry, Brett Weinstein. And it led to this violent um, situation where even the police, the security on campus stood down, let it happen at the behest of the campus administration. And the police stood down and let this happen. Astonishing. Truly, truly end of end of empire stuff. This is a university campus if there's going to be a canary in the coal mine and this isn't it i don't know what is this happened in 2018 is that right yeah only a few years ago yeah only a few years ago yeah 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 no i mean i didn't really realize the severity of you know something like that happening and we're just still seeing the echoes of this and if anything it's not just an echo it's it's leading to something else I don't, want to, I don't want to put you on the spot. Don't answer if you don't want to. If you're running that university, how are you handling a situation like that? Um, I would probably just detonate the entire school and just... <laughs> fuck it, I'm done. Pierre's answer would be to go full Joker, walk away in a nurse's outfit. <laughs> Everybody loses their minds. Yeah, no, no I, for I, real. I looked at it and I was like, okay, um, are you committing a crime? yes okay that's it campus security take them away you're expelled now you're done this yeah. is a crime you can't yeah. they followed a female lecturer around for hours heckling her calling her names and i i uh, according to the book uh using racial slurs for hours and nobody's punished i was like you would be whatever your campus security thing is i mean it's america there are school shootings i know it's higher than the uk 
I would say just arrest these kids, call the police in, arrest them, and expel them. Why are you why are you acting like the fawning master of a hotel and these are your most precious guests? Just but fucking the, expel them. But that's the weirdest fucking thing is that all of these adults, mm. grown adults in authoritative positions, aren't even slightly pushing back. No. They're just letting it happen. This chapter, it was kind of hard to grasp. It was, it was, it was a, it's a bit uh, more complex for my simple brain here. But um, a part of it talked about the bureaucracy of uh, this shit. And it was saying how when universities started integrating themselves with corporations and taking money from yeah. corporations and whatever the hell else, universities started treating their students like customers. That's Meaning what I saw. When I, when I looked at the video footage, I'm like, that's, that's the... That's the boss of a nightclub and the customers are really like you can't lose these 20 customers. That's that's what I right. saw. So, so and and it's money. Being, yeah, being uh American schools are like, I mean, look at those fucking uh student loan debt and and look at the fucking uh, the prices you have to pay to go to university in America. Mm. They're heavily reliant on these students for being there. And it's eventually just transpired over a decade of taking money from the students, but also corporations and whatever else, that they just treat their students as if they're just paying customers at a rowdy nightclub. Well, it wouldn't happen at Richard Spartan Institution, I tell you. <laughs> the, other, the other thing, and I'll drop this, was I've watched the video. I've only heard the description of what happened today in full from the book, The Coddling of the American Mind. I watched the video of this over a year ago. And when I was watching it, I was in my mind, I was like, how many of these students are failing? How many of these students are too stupid to be here? How many of these students are not intellectuals and can't cope with the university? Because there's tons of kids going to university who absolutely don't belong in a university. And this is their way out. This is their way to get an extension on homework, right. to get a bump up in their grades or whatever it is. And it was actually one of the demands I learned today that yeah. was handed in. Yeah. We want we want to overthrow the white supremacy of the university, and we want permission to hand our homework in late. Well, th th no, you're right. One, I think one or two students in that school, like proposed because of white supremacy, he should be able to put his homework in later. And it was right. only like a week later. It wasn't like never doing homework. So I, I'm like, are you Che Guevara or are you Ferris Bueller? Because you can't be fucking both. <laughs> Remember when I said this is the most weasliest, wormish, yeah. yes, weak revolution? Yeah. Like, dude, like this, this, con it's this like fucking... whinging your way into a revolution. But it, the whole fucking uh, thing is pathetic. Let it's us like, win, dude. It's like <laughs> they want to put my homework in later, and the professor's like, "Fine," and then the police <laughs> officer's like, "Okay, just go," and then the the money from the corporation take it. Okay, it's just so fucking lame. Isn't, you know? isn't it it's not it doesn't really say it in the book and maybe i've got it wrong i'm not american i don't live in america but you see these videos pop up online sometimes on youtube and on tiktok of uh, of young white kids just freaking out with their mom or their dad and being like fuck you mom i'm not gonna fucking yeah. tidy away you're fucking tapping down and i'm like is this like a a kyle level meltdown but it's on mass there's just a ton of kyles okay. everywhere it's like fuck you mom yeah so before we just get to just fucking start railing like yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking <laughs> roast, back, yeah. bit roast on this you know but like 
like I, I do understand where this is all arising and it's not be- it's not productive for me to just shit on them but god damn it's fucking annoying but like <laughs> but but you know you know you have this generation that, that's grown up grown up like grew up I just the first book I read give me some slack guys um the generation grew up really really coddled and from the parents from the even primary school to including university yeah. and now they're at the point that they need to take over the next big thing and uh, by not being used to deal with threats and yeah. confrontation at a younger age, yeah. they are unable to reconcile with each other a threat amongst each other. Yeah. So therefore, they have to go as far as to trying to get a third party associated with it and not even realizing the, the, the danger of actual threat and what the repercussions are. That's interesting. That's interesting because I suppose my the the like one part of me is like you kids need to slap around the head and then fifty push ups and some jogs around the around the school and then back to work you go. And another side of me looks at and goes, okay, what's happened to you that you would? Don't you have any shame? Don't you like? Don't where's your where's your sense of boundaries? Where's your sense of morality? Where where's your sense of like this is wrong? And if you really don't have that because you can't stay in university forever, what's going to happen to you when you're released into the world and you have to get a job and work? Because, okay, we know the corporations are trying to go woke and they're trying to be seen to do the right thing. But they're not going to. I mean, are corporations allowing people to have meltdowns and scream and piss their pants and run around the office? (laughs) But here's the thing. So this is where it's dangerous. They are letting them do that. This new, they are letting this new workforce throw the tantrums. They are allowing these restructuring of policy uh, from this younger generation entering the workforce, which we have heard a lot of them end up losing a lot of fucking revenue because they start implementing these new social messages. And then a lot of the workers don't even do the work because they're too busy demanding to work less. So then you have, what do you call it? An unconscientious generation of people that grew up under safety that have no life skills other than to complain and to manipulate mm-hmm. and then in mass the society can't be fucking held up because you have a bunch of people that have no skills and where do you go from there that's um uh that's a kind of a cultural aids because that means it is like the system won't be able, the immune system of the culture won't be able to handle threat. And maybe that's what we're seeing now is that the, the, the culture can't deal with risk. We've become so risk averse, so incapable of dealing with threat. The rot is in so deep that it's everywhere. And as soon as a threat comes up, we just fold. I mean, no okay, wonder. Listen. When, when, if Russian tanks and the CCP start rolling in, were you going to start fucking complaining to HR? You know, talk about how fucking like insensitive they are to my feelings. You know, like obviously that's like the worst case scenario of having a tank <laughs> roll in. But let's just say if you even have a problem hearing a word, which obviously I don't condone slurs, but there's a difference from not condoning slurs and being able to maturely handle hearing something that you don't like, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. 
But I mean, it, it, I mean, that opens up a, a whole of the dialogue, which is which is worth having, you know, around. Um, well, uh, uh, they don't they being anti fragile, being robust, being resilient, and and you know, getting on with it. Do you demand to never hear? Do you demand the ch the world change to a nicety so you never hear anything you don't like ever again, or do you toughen the fuck up and grow up, and just deal with the fact that that's life? People are going to do things because I just don't. I I I mean this with all due compassion, respect. That's not how life is going to play out for you. Like, and think of anything that happens to people, like the death of a loved one through accidents or illness or you lose a job or bad things happen in your life. You you can't complain your way out of every tight spot. <laughs> it's just, well, it's not possible. I, I feel like I'm like a refugee from the safetyism thing. Like I've had moments in my life where I was kind of in there and kind of not at the same time. You know, mm -hmm. I, I was balancing back and forth. I mean, one key moment was when I remembered that uh, when I was coddled financially for a good amount of time like just mm -hmm. being really well off of my parents uh, funds and then also they were just really nice to me too but uh never really was a never really uh let's just say came across real confrontation or let alone working for my own money for yeah. a good amount of time but yeah. when we lost that house and i moved to a like a rougher neighborhood and mm -hmm. ran into rougher people like mm -hmm. I don't know how I managed to survive. Like, I honestly don't know how I managed to pull through that. But I wish, like, maybe a bit younger to get some fucking guidance and not be so goddamn coddled and not be yeah. so sheltered because I would have at least had the skills to to pull through these situations. Um, but you know, well, you you prove you prove the opposite of that the, of the ethos that they say is the wrong thing. The untruth of fragility states what doesn't kill you makes you weaker which is in opposition to Nietzsche's what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And in your case, it made you stronger. And to cite the philosopher Joker, it made you stranger too. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, um, yeah, like with the, with this whole con consistently aiming to find safety within the internet, social media platforms, corporations, your schools, your stuff like that. I, again, I understand where that comes from. You know, we, we want to be safe. You know, we don't want to be have our feelings hurt. It's just it sucks. You know, we don't we don't look for that. Hmm. But the long term consequence is way more detrimental than we can ever imagine. Yes, I was just going to maybe I'm being slightly contrarian. I think I've been rewarded for taking risk in my life so many times and i can't actually think of anything i ever got that i valued that didn't come through risk yeah me too right, me right too. the way through right the way through to approaching women like it's risky you can be humiliated well, if you, you go can, if you can't you can't do that anymore dude oh i know well i read about it okay and this is something that people used to do in the hey. 1920s but hey for real though that is, that is a symptom that's a symptom of the safety culture the right. approaching women that was common back then is now a dangerous thing, right? <laughs> it, it's it's actually considered dangerous now, which is a symptom of a culture of safety. Mm. 
is it dangerous or is this something that young men have internalized as being true that, that isn't true but it's the cultural narrative of safety now okay, that that okay. you know it, it's not i'm not saying that it's true i'm saying it's true in the in the, yeah, the yeah 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 yeah, yeah I'm, with you. I'm with you i'm with you but but i mean that just shows how far the idea of how safe we need to make everything has gone yes Yes, I mean it's a completely uh, non non functional uh, way of of being in the world. The um, second untruth uh, that this book talks about that is soaked into the ideology that's created this cultural aids is uh, the untruth of emotional reasoning, which is always trust your feelings. Mm. In other words, if you feel it's true, it's true. Yeah. So uh, just just uh, to give some context. When Richard is reading these pillars, these are ironic statements of the time that we live in. So yeah, nobody's saying this is how you should live. This is not how you should live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th these are ironic statements to show how the general cultural belief is. And a lot of what we're told now is as long as you feel a certain way it's absolutely true so if you are offended over something it's absolutely true or if you feel this statement makes you feel like it's it's basically that just reflecting back in, in my own work helping people with psychological and mental health issues i find it ironic that a culture that is so emotionally illiterate so out of touch with their actual feelings is so obsessed with making emotional reasoning um uh, supreme it puts it as the supreme thing and i'm like wow that's really odd because you're the same people who I have to battle with every day to name how you feel and to talk about how you feel. so you won't you won't tell yourself how you feel but you want your feelings to be adhered to uh, at every level like you've you've foregone your agency for your emotions it's a really strange thing for me because i'm like how do you how do you live with the um, the dissonance? Like emotions are really important; they're the most important thing. I'm going to ignore all of my own emotions at the same yeah. time. <laughs> well, dude, traumatized thought patterns, traumatized yeah. generation. Yeah, it's it's so obvious now. It's it's an entire culture that's very delusional and operates through traumatic thinking. And, you know, this idea of uh, this, this pillar here of your emotional reasoning or whatever, right? Like, for example, at a certain point in the book, it talks about universities applying policies, for example, like if you have, if you're uncomfortable with the subject in school, you can put a formal complaint that has definite weight. And we can actually like fire the professors or we can talk to the professors that never talk about it again type of a thing like it, it's legitimately passed like it's, it's a new policy at these universities now it's, um, that was that that made me sad uh hearing about that 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 how anti-intellectual and how anti-academic that is because think about the much healthier way it used to be done which is wonderful you say a thing that you believe to be true and i don't believe it's true so i present evidence to you and i say pierre here's my counter argument read that and we can have like a full on battle rap. Yeah. Like Chomsky and Zizek did yeah. um, in public. And, and that's how science yeah. and academia is supposed to work.
But now if you do that and you write something that I don't believe is true, I ask for the paper to be retracted. Yeah. And for yeah. you to be fired so you yeah. can never make me feel that discomfort ever again. Yeah, exactly. And you see it on YouTube channels and platforms and, and shit like that. Can you not? Can we actually remove you, report you, do this, do the, the, you know, and, and to, to showcase the danger of this, there is an example, for example, there's an example, for example, here where at, in a law school, in a law school, they were there they had a course on sexual assault and rape right mm. which is a terrible thing obviously however there were more than enough complaints every time these specific law cases came up in class about sexual assault and rape that eventually they decided to just not cover sexual assault and rape in court which means that it does the biggest disservice to sexual assault survivors by completely censoring that topic overall. Wait, is this a thing that will that might happen or did happen? It did. So, so sexual assault cases. Where, where is this happening? They're just not being tried as as much, or they're being deprioritized. Um, I, I wish I wrote notes and, and stuff, but towards the later, the yeah, the, the later past the second half, basically. Yes. Uh, it, it, it talks about, yeah, it talks about a certain university or a law school and, yeah. and they, they needed to talk about what, I mean, what are the fucking nuances of sexual assault and rape? So you can learn how to do your effing job of being a lawyer. Yeah, but because it made so many people uncomfortable that they had to retract a lot of the the content involving this, which actually is 10 times worse for people who went through this because they don't know how to fucking defend it. No, I'm done. I'm leaving. Dude. No, no. It's, <laughs> you know what? It, I, I, I kind of back in the day um, when because of because of my own experiences and background, I used to get very frustrated in the probation service with the way people would talk about child abuse and paedophilia. And I would sort of, I was still in a radical, I was fresh out of university, so I was like a radical left-leaning person, pretty radical in my ideas. And I'd have these conversations with people who were social workers or, or doing my job. And I was like, but we have to talk about this. The fact that it makes you uncomfortable and me uncomfortable doesn't mean that we, we, we have to have, we don't have to talk about it openly all the time. We could have a designated time. We could have a, a, a language that we use, but you can't, you can't, because what happens if you can't talk about it is people were using uh, euphemisms and it was driving me crazy. I was like, I don't know what that means. I like you're saying a euphemism to describe a child abuse case with a paedophile and a child, and I, I'm losing all the necessary data I need to know what I'm dealing with. I work for the probation service. These are probation officers and social workers. If we can't talk to each other, who the, who the fuck can? So I can see how, that was yeah. that was a long time, it was the early 2000s, I can see how that slides across to, yeah. let's never talk about anything that's uncomfortable because you know it's... being comfortable is the most important thing. Listen, if you're at a fucking brunch with your grandma, what are you going to bring up? Assault? No. Right. Right. Like there's certain situations that obviously would never call for a discussion like this. But if at university, at a law school, 
at university in the book it also says that university should be looked at as a gym not a playground not a daycare mm -hmm. you know and a lot of students nowadays look at university as some sort of daycare but it actually in a gym as you know better than anybody that it's fucking painful to go through your last set you know you're pushing so hard to just get that last rep in and it and, and in the end it makes your muscles grow and makes you stronger as a person university should be a mental gym where you're doing reps and doing and hearing things that you shouldn't that, that will make you uncomfortable but it will yeah. build your resiliency to it yes yeah it's uh as you as you just said it who who's that for because it, it's a detriment to the victims. It's a detriment yeah. to the survivors. It's the detriment to the people who go through these experiences. They're entering a system where the people handling them are doing it hands off. I mean, I, I know of cases where counselors and therapists do this because it makes them uncomfortable or it, or it actually frightens them. And I'm like, you can't sit in front of somebody who's telling you the story of something like this and be frightened. That's on you, that's a you problem. That's not the client's problem. That's your fucking problem. You have to resolve it. You have to be completely present and open to that because you're really doing the people who've been through these experiences such a tremendous disservice. It's hard enough to bring justice about anyway. This is definitely, definitely not going to help. It's a, it's a, you, you could, I mean, you don't want to catastrophize, but you can really see how this is a rot. It rots everything. It makes, so, so now we're saying, you can't do education and nor can you do justice because it's in everything. Well, you can't. I mean, something that's supposedly supposed to be fun cat memes and, and silly videos on the Internet is no longer that. Yeah, this this is it's, it's OK. Like the foundation of a house deep under the house. Maybe you have a wood found. I don't know how fucking houses are built, but just please bear with me. There's a wood foundation of the house. Right. But you can't see the thing. But you got like these little termites and mold, just mildew, just start starts eating the wood. Like it just starts dissipating, but you can't see it. You still can't see it. And for years it can go on and you don't know. Maybe you hear like a creaky floor plank here and there. But by, by then you know it. You start, there's holes start forming in the thing and eventually the whole house can come down if you don't do anything about it. This is how I look at the current ideology that's happening right now. The, uh, the third uh, pillar that's the ironic sarcastic pillar is uh, the untruth of us versus them life is a battle between good people and evil people again traumatized thinking it's it's in training people to think in the same way that somebody who had just been traumatized would uh, catastrophic thinking and black and white thinking yeah yep and ev everything is us versus them now without anybody any side any side is us versus them so that automatically takes away nuance, which automatically takes away reality because reality is shades of gray. So we're back to psychosis again and delusion. Yep. And that's it. And we're doomed. <laughs> we're the good guys. You're the bad guys. You're the, I, I, I like the way the book highlights that the, the language that they use is, is very catastrophic. So if you don't do what I want, 15 puppies will be drowned yeah. if you don't go along with this you're doing violence you're vi it's violent you're oh yeah let, yeah let me clarify that um for situations that should use the word uncomfortable mm. it's usually this topic makes me feel in danger right 
Right. So, so an opinion is no longer, Hey, that kind of makes me uncomfortable. I feel in danger from what you're saying. And the appropriate response to that should be to laugh. Really? And now like, I, no, 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 no. If you laugh, that's a microaggression. Yeah. And I feel no, in danger. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I'm toxically masculine. I'm not a nice guy. And then I, I, I call up Susan Wachowski, CEO of YouTube, who just got a free speech award. And then I say, Richard Grannon also needs another community strike. You know it's coming. We all know that Richard Grannon is, is going to get the chip chop. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what are we going to do? I mean, like, join? Like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know, man. Well, YouTube's becoming boring anyway. I, I look yeah, at yeah. it. I, I scroll through my feed now and I'm like, everything is so scrubbed clean. Everything is so anesthetized and sterile and devoid of soul and spice you know, and flavor hey, and funk. There's this, if you guys uh, want to know what I'm talking about, this dude named Coffeezilla on YouTube made a video about how literally, <laughs> you're going to laugh, dude. You can't, you can't make this shit up. Susan Wachowski, the CEO of YouTube, got an award for free speech but that award is sponsored by youtube uh, the statistics today show that we are the freest and most happiest people in hey. the world comrades and guess how many videos we deleted nine million was it only 9 million? I thought it was like 93 million. Maybe I misread what you sent me. <laughs> no, no, no. Susan in the videos proudly states that she removed 9 million videos because safety is the number one priority of the, of the company. So she received the free speech award, said, thank you. This year, we have terminated 9 million accounts, comrades. It's a beautiful day for freedom. Is digital gulag a thing? Digital gulag, that's where I'm going. <laughs> well, kind of, you got a strike. You're marked, dude. You're wearing a star on your arm, man. Yeah, both my accounts have, have been struck now. They've both been struck. In. Yeah, so, I mean, YouTube proudly announces that they are also a part of this safety approach to things, and safety is their number one priority and, and shit like that. Dude, I'm so, dude, I'm so fed up, man. Like... God, I went through like the craziest existential shit just thinking about this, you know? It's hard. It's it's really tough because um let let me just let me just validate that a little bit. Uh it's not hypersensitivity on your part when you look at this. I'm telling you, there's no future in this. This is future ending ideology. This is absolutely future ending ideology. We 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 will not you know, in, in the CPTSD recovery community, Pete, Roca, Pete, Ward, Pete Walker wrote a book called CPTSD from Surviving to Thriving. And the idea is you go from the survival mode of the trauma and then you thrive. This is a no thriving ideology and it's a no surviving ideology. This is, you, it's like the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. You just go down into a, a narrower and narrower and narrower corridor and nothing will thrive there. Nothing will grow. Perfect example. How do we as a society view somebody who's stuck in their mom's basement 24-7 playing World of Warcraft and not even leveling up in the game and just, just sitting there and just like wasting away? How do we instinctually 
re react to somebody in that situation obviously we can feel a bit of sympathy a bit of pity mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. but imagine an entire community a village a neighborhood of this type of person yeah they're safe they're not hurting anybody they're safe they're doing whatever they love they're they're safe and it's fine yeah but in the long run if that's all we have yeah where does that lead to so it's it's actually the most profound question of the moment i think it leads to well for one and i, I i'm not saying this to be flippant i think it leads to sexlessness it leads to genderlessness and sexlessness because you become more and more online you become less and less physical what's the point in being pretty you would gain weight um your testosterone levels would drop and yeah you would just be a sexless you wouldn't be interested in sex because your testosterone levels would drop and if 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 a society is no polarization and no sex it's no future it's there's no future in this it's it's over yeah exactly you're just a little androgynous avatar slurping down energy drinks and giggling over nothing i do that for a living richard <laughs> i feel really really attacked right now <laughs> i feel safe i feel and in danger safe. i feel in danger from comments richard should um should i take some questions from these good good people yeah if anybody has any points or things that they've read if anybody actually read it too yeah uh, how many of you read uh the book i'm i'm i think i'm slightly less than halfway through audible yeah. says i have five hours left and it's a nine hour listen so yeah um the at the end chapter uh i don't know i hope the points are actually brought uh, on google somewhere but the the last chapter actually brings up the remedy of it we we should try pulling that up because he brings like 10 points of what we should do or like could do i'd have to go upstairs and get my kindle i'll try i'll try pulling it up and seeing uh i was gonna say i was gonna say i have the kindle app on my phone but i'm shooting on my phone right now let me let me if anybody has any questions or, or or anything visceral gravitas is here to remind us that the name of the book is the coddling of the american mind oh i mean it's it's really it's really long obviously but like fair i mean here's one does it take a long time to go in of course it does it all depends okay on well i'm, I'm nice and relaxed and... i'm ready i'm ready to take it okay so here, here i mean here's one that's really like good i think Prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child. Reasonable. Zen. That's Zen. Yes. Your worst enemy cannot harm you as much as your own thoughts unguarded. 100%. Um, yeah, I mean, if you go on the coddling.com, there's a tab on solutions. And it lists. Hey, like, don't 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 mistype that, folks. God knows where you'll end up. <laughs> I know. I I know. It's like when I heard the coddling as the website, I was like, Brie, who is in charge of your PR?" But, oh, it's called the the coddling. The coddling .com. Damn. Yeah. I don't even like if that was a if that was a thing. I don't even know what that would look like. You just get oiled up and cuddle each other. It would be a really oily hug. The coddling. Welcome to the coddling. 
Um, so it, are we going to the solutions section in, in the codling.com? <laughs> yeah, uh, but I mean, it's it's a bunch of information. So I mean, like, okay, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna pull something out random. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So there's yeah some of the, the there's resources in here on on mental health, um, CBT, uh, books on CBT where you can find like CBT practitioners, advice from Marcus Aurelius and people who are big in C CBT most psychologists are big on CBT are, are big on um, stoicism and Marcus Aurelius particularly. Yeah. Um... Yep. Pierre, the tech, somebody here has asked, the tech companies are engineering a digital summoning of the collective shadow, steering us into spiritual oblivion. Would you agree? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's that's a reasonable way to put it. I mean, I mean, I, I, this is a thing that I just came up with as we're, I was reading this and as we're talking, like, this safetyism thing broods the most resentful collective shadow. And it all gets spurted out on social media. Because imagine, like, everything around you is is just pushing for safety your your darkness doesn't isn't safe like it, it's still it's going to even be worse in there and where are you going to put that you know? uh, i'll try and reach out to her because i'm back in the world and she, and she lives here she's a, a, a psychologist who specializes in childhood abuse back in 2015 i interviewed her, amanda her name is and she was saying that there was uh Article she'd read that indicated that the internet can be seen as kind of the place where the collective shadow can run free and it sort of pulls it out of you. So when you're wondering why social media comments are so nasty, it's it's because there's this, this kind of weird relationship between the device, the platform and your unresolved shadow that pulls it out and, and mm. makes you feel an urge to just spurt your darkness on people. Yeah. And the shadow loves company. Oh yes, it does. How's that? How's your training going at the moment, Pierre? Are you are you keeping up with training? With like just boxing and shit. Boxing and and playing with the cables and stuff. Yeah, uh, I haven't really touched the cables as much. I'm doing squats and just doing a few rounds of boxing every day. If anything, that's good. That's Prepare good. for more junkies chasing me. Junkies. <laughs> um, just slap them. Uh, my little cousin is 18, a reclusive, frightened young man with no prospects or motivation. Is there a way we can help this lost generation? On the solutions tab, Wiser Kindergarten to 12th grade. You can find a few resources here on uh, what they can do. Um, intertwine your identity with freedom of inquiry. Like, you know, these are all great tips and advice, but this is like if you lived in idealistic ancient Greece with Socrates at, in a robe. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't really think that there's an easy answer to this. And obviously these concepts are great on in theory, but to apply that, I, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. I know where to begin, but it's not, it's not an answer that anybody can just take away and, and just do. Um, so I was thinking about uh, this generation and, um, sexual polarity and the future for like making kids and relationships and um, sexuality and all that. And I was on a plane and I was like, God, it's so complicated. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. And then I was like, okay, if I have an institution and I have a hundred 
young people, say they're 21, there's 50 girls and 50 boys, and you're going to teach them what to do. Is it really complicated? And I was actually like, no, it's not. You just go through a process of, of undoctrination. You go, like, whatever they've been indoctrinated to think, you undoctrinate. You're like, hey, you, hey, you. You're not each other's enemies. The most important thing about you is not that you're a man and you're a woman. It's that you're humans. You're all humans here. You start with that. You start with respect. You respect each other. You respect other men. You respect other women. You treat each other with respect, not aggression. You know, you just go through and just be like, let's just make this really simple. Life is risk. So in a similar way, we could say like, you kids believe that risk is the enemy. Risk is not the enemy. Risk is opportunity. Risk is where all the goods. And just re, I don't know, not unindoctrinate them. Uh, like It's like uh, re-education, a brainwashing camp. Richie's brainwashing camp. Yeah, re-education camps. I think China's ahead of us, right? They are. Okay. Um, I, I'm due to go over there next month to, uh, to help out. I, well, I don't... I don't think it's I don't think it's that when I used to go into schools, I'd see elements of this back in like the, the early 2000s over the five years I was working in the British education system. And no, the number one thing that I would say is if you're a good role model for this stuff, the kids will listen to you because the, what they're getting is like from people who are very anemic and very frightened and very like, well, it's like, you know, and if you come in and you're on blaze and your energy's up and your cheer's good and you're red blooded and you're amusing and high energy and having yeah. a good time. The kids are going to be like, oh, more of that one, less of the anemic one that's whinging all the time. Yeah, ultimately better guidance from parental figures and whatever the fuck Role model, right? be a role model. Kids will do you know, what you do, not what you say. What's interesting in, in the book, I think you probably already hit this area. Uh, the book covers so many things that we've literally only covered like 20% of it. Mm. But um, one of it, one of it was talking about there's two types of identity politics, one mm -hmm. that's currently running rampant right now, which is actually separating everybody more. And then there is an identity politics that involves the collective identity of humanity, the, the, the thing that MLK would go for, the the that type of thing. I don't know if you got to that part, but I did. And I've never heard that before. I thought identity politics was the identity politics of division, but there's an identity politics of unity. And I'm very keen on that one. Right. I see a future in that one. Human first. See the human. That's a human. Then you can start considering gender, ethnicity, culture, all the rest of it. If you need to. Most of the time, it's not really necessary. The person's probably wearing socks. The back probably hurts a bit. And they probably need water every couple of hours. Just like you, you dumb fuck. Stop making a big deal out of that. That's my identity politics. Yeah. And... Uh... It was an interesting uh, suggestion uh, there, and I, I think that there, there's something valuable to be to be seen. And I think, and, and and that's kind of what it says. You can you can approach this identity politics movement through division or unity, you know. Yes, this this particular version of wokeism that we're talking about is very very stuck. It's like obsessively, psychotically stuck on division. Which is why I said, like, it's going to be, if they get their way, it's going to be the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia. It's going to be the snake eating its own tail. A long, a long enough timeline, everybody will fail the orthodoxy test. Well, listen, we already can see a micro expression of that, micro aggression, mm. micro expression of that 
mm-hmm. on social media. How many of your creators just start stopped posting as much? Their content got more watered down. They left like me. They canceled mm-hmm. themselves. They got canceled. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, I don't know what kind of new content can thrive on YouTube now. Like, I haven't heard for anything from anybody nowadays. You know, it's like everyone's just literally dropping like flies here. I had a thought today, mate. Um, and I, I was going to write it down. But anyway, I've remembered it. Do you think that YouTube could be said now, at the point we're up to now, to be to becoming mainstream media? It is. It is. Okay, because that means we're working for mainstream media. No, I know. And I'm like, <laughs> why don't we sign up for this shit? You know? <laughs> like, I mean, 9 million videos removed, accounts nuked left and right creators that aren't even problematic get canceled everybody quits i fucking quit rogan gets bought out i mean dude imagine reading listening to what i just said right now 50 years from now and how we would analyze this current situation yeah if there's any of us left in 50 years from now we're gonna be humanity just fell out with itself and we'll be taped to fucking Neuralink and vr contacts being reprogrammed man Okay, guys, if you've got uh, any questions or statements or comments or anything, you can make them now, and uh, we'll wrap up in the next sort of five to ten. Does that does that suit you, Yeah. Um, I can go for whenever, man. I don't know about you. Uh, the, reason I, the reason I said that is because I'm really hungry. I went back to my favorite gym today. It was beautiful. Okay. And I did. I was like, this is what I'm allowed to do. And I did double that because I'm a child with no impulse control and no self-discipline. I wanted to touch all the toys and put my sweat on all of them. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. Jennifer Hart. Jeebus, the forehead gleams. It's beautiful. Look at the size. Look at the length of that foul hay. There's a lot of forehead there. Question. What is your idea of what a true mature love role model would look like? How do you exemplify that model without being obtuse or supercilious? Well, if you're going to be rude to me, you fucking melt. I'm not going to answer your question, am I? Tit. Jebediah Kerman, Richard should do a mukbang live stream right now and eat his dinner in front of us. I'm tempted to, but it would be disgusting. You'd never recover. (laughs) (sighs) Karma has feedback on the book. The book was very validating for me. I raised my son to be a strong-minded and independent person, and I'm very proud of the man he's become and is still becoming. That's great. That's good. That's great. There is, there is like, um, there's hope here. I mean, you've got people, the, the, these authors, that they're, they're leftists. They're talking from the left. Um, but there's a lot more sort of like boundaries, a kind of adherence to classical liberalism away from collectivism, away from totalitarianism, a desire to honor, you know, they're, they're Americans, basic American principles like individual rights, which if you speak in that way now, you're considered right wing, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Did you get the jab? No. But we can't, we can't talk about that, can we? You got to keep things safe, I guess. All right. No. <laughs> uh, what if genetics, Pierre, are a tad inhuman, even just all on their own? Look at that fellow with his very own blip. That Khan. I think he's talking about Genghis Khan. Mm. 
I mean, we're part alien, right? So we are part alien. Maybe this is the problem. We're, we're just stuck because mommy and daddy left us here. Uh, and uh, we're driving ourselves crazy slowly over time. All right, guys. Uh, there's not really that many like, questions. Oh, here's one from Mr. Yeah. Gravitas. If society has an overage of administration management, oops, if a, uh, an overage of administration management, how to get rid of this excess? What are you, one of those right-wing libertarian lunatics, you gun-hoarding... Say words at him, Pierre, and make him feel bad. I'm kind of just dropping out of everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, there's, I mean... Find, dude, I'm all about, at this point, finding... I'm literally, I'm literally, right now, just literally. trying to find what I enjoy again. Like I've yeah. lost, I don't even know what I fucking like right now because all, all of this nonsense, I just focus on all this, these terrible things that I can't even figure out what I like. Well, aren't, aren't you, don't you exemplify some of this kind of awakening? Um, because like you said, um, you were into, um, or you have been affected by some of this. And now, you know, I met you two years ago, two years later, you're depressed, which I really like. I mean, I just, I can't respect people who, who don't get depressed. Um, you're much, you're much stronger for it. You're training more. You're more, um, your, your sense of agency is stronger. Isn't that, isn't that like, I don't know. Do you, do you see yourself as being part of like a, a, a splitting away from this ideology? Well, I look at it like an old Zen qualm of the strongest tree resisting the wind that makes its trunk stronger. You know, it's, well, I mean, this is what happened. Like, I, I don't even know if I necessarily want it. Like I wanted to make a change like any other fucking early twenties thriving, you know, youthful person with good intentions. Right. But, it, but it wasn't my mission to make, content only about how this person got called this name and this person is a predator and then this person needs to be canceled and whatever the fuck you know it's just happened to be the current wave of everything and you know like regardless of even if you're interested in this shit it's is as strong as the wind on in the area that you're in you just get whipped around i mean you see that thing that happened last year you just fucking like oh jesus like another trauma traumatic fucking event this one this person died, this protest here, just, and it just keeps fucking whipping you back and forth. And then it comes to a point where how much are you willing to take before your fucking tree collapses, your branches break off and you have no more leaves, or you somehow figure out a way to maybe resist this, this wind, you know? And at this certain point, I, I'm tired of being whipped around by the cultural narrative, inspiring more suffering and division and just utter pettiness and just drama and bullshit that just even within the last month or two really taking a step back from everything i feel a, a lot more rooted like obviously it's been super super painful but i just don't i i don't feel like i can waver to this wind as easily as i did before yeah you're, you're tougher now aren't you yeah you have a thicker branch thick branches baby <laughs> That's what they say. Um, to this, to this question, visceral gravitas. I think one of the reasons why um, I've I've always been 
uh, against this thing since like I was at university where I came face to face with it I was in the I was called into a struggle session at university with the SJWs and ended up writing a dissertation about about the experience using Robert Anton Wilson's book The New Inquisition so we've known that this has been coming for for a while I wasn't as panicked back then I was irritated now I'm a little bit panicked because you raise the issue which is kind of answered on the political compass does this new woke ideology fit hand in glove with a move towards elitism and totalitarianism, corporatism, cronyism? It says it's socialist. It thinks it's Marxist and communist, but actually it's playing right into the hands of a totalitarian ideology. And I would say, yes, I'm very concerned about the, the, the elements of like the identity politics of division breaking people down because it's humiliating being broken down by your ethnicity i don't want to be considered a, like i've said it on this live stream before if you go well you can only say this because you're a white man or you can only say this because you're uh was asian american what's the new word for asian american now have you heard this uh what there's new there's a new term that means asian american that did that, i approve uh, of this where's the contract did I, did I <laughs> put my name on this shit? you missed me they're doing stuff while you're away People are going to be anyway, signing. People are going to be tagging me to fucking Instagram stories with this bullshit on it too. What, <laughs> what, what is the name? If anybody knows what the new term is for Asian American or the the alternative, please please write in the uh, in the comments. There's something humiliating about it because it takes away your individuality. You're then put into this box as an avatar, and that's all you are. It's perfect for totalitarianism. It's perfect for consumerism as well. So, so I'm not like, is it 1984 or Brave New World? It's kind of a meld of both. Like, you'll just be put into your box as a consumer, as an avatar, as a number within the algorithm, and that's it. You won't be allowed out of it, and you'll be sold things based on your avatar that you don't even know whether you really want or not, but they'll tell you you do. Okay, so it's APPI, Association of Paragliding Pilots and Instructors. I have uh, never jumped out of an airplane in my life, and I don't plan on it. This is, it's racist. <laughs> it's racist to imply that you ever would. Oh, what, what does this stand for? Uh, Asian American Pacific Islander Community. Yes, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Listen. As the official spokesperson for anybody who looks remotely like me, which is maybe all for all people, for all people, even though no one really does, because I'm an alien. But don't fuck it. Um, don't, do I have the energy? No. <laughs> I was I had this whole thing, and I'm like, do I need to? Let's you remember, that, you remember that Bruce Lee interview where the guy says, "How do you feel about this? Do you want to be considered as an Asian American?" And Bruce Lee is like, I'd like you to consider me as a human being. Yes, yes, but he does it with with extra swag, dude. Yeah, yeah, he he you had know, a lot of swag. He does this, you know. I would like he crosses his he leans. <laughs> I would like to be considered a human being. Yeah, that's he, it. Yeah, he extends and, it out. Okay, this I'm gonna. I I've been working on my impulses, Richard, because yeah. I've been I have a very short temper sometimes, and. Sure. Now I'm okay. No, fuck it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> fuck it. Were you about? Were you about to uh, to do one of your your uh, front kicks on the uh, on the camera? 
Yeah, man. Like, like it's all about this this racial thing. I mean, I'll put it as simply as possible. I'm a worldly creature, and I know so many different kinds of people, and I, you know, am a part of everybody that I've ever met, and anybody who knows me and talks to me knows about all the people that I have within me, which is a hundred different personalities, mm-hmm. and I see the diversity with everyone that I've met, and I've, I'm a well-traveled person, and so are you, Richard, and like, I just, there's a way to acknowledge and appreciate these things without furthering a divide and resentment and hatred. Yeah, this is why I rarely ever speak about it. If I'm having fun on my live streams, it's the last topic that I'll bring up. You know, it's the way to bring the unification is not through just consistently adding more divisions. It's it's unproductive the the best way is just to unify through other means or and, and approach our common humanity 100 100 agree that's a human ideology this right. ideology that they offer is inhuman it's crazy yes indeed well i'm uh, i'm ready to shove uh, food through the largest hole in my head all right you must eat for we must prepare for the next offense. Yeah. When we or when we sleep and dream, we're we're fighting the demons of the apocalypse again, kids. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna probably briefly stream my second channel just for a bit of time if anybody wants to hop by. What's uh, the name of the second channel, Mr. Pierre? It's a secret. No, uh Pierre Extra. Pierre Extra is where you want to be going now, folks, to go and see more of Papi Pierre. If you uh, didn't get it, I'm still halfway through the book. I want to continue reading it. Um, I'll be done with it over the next few days. But it's The Coddling of the American Mind. We we both highly recommend this book. Yeah. Uh, it's very relevant to pretty much every area of life right now. You can't escape the rot. Real quick, how is your hometown? Oh, my God. It's so good to be back. Nice. It's nice. really, really good. Um, this is a weird... Uh, I, you know, after America and Prague and everything else, it's it's um, it's its own. It will do my head in because it's a peninsula and it's very insular. But it's it, right in time. It will do my head in. I'll need to travel again. But right now, I'm absolutely loving it. It feels so good to be back. Great to hear, man. I will talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. Goodbye, Ladies and gentlemen. Everybody. Thank you very much for your time and your attention. And we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Cheers.